and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. And welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. You are way, way too energetic. How much coffee have you had? Uh, sadly, I haven't had any since this morning. Hmm. But there's actually a really good reason why I've been pretty energetic. Um, um, we've been talking about plans for the next season. Run! Everything's changing and everything's staying the same. Run like hell! It's going to be fun. I, I think we're going to do some really cool things, and I'm hoping that people really are along for the ride and we'll start sharing this thing with people because I think it would be really cool. So we'll see. In the immortal mm-hmm. words of my ancestors, share this or be smited. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In all fairness, when you look at podcasts, the fact that we've been around for over five years is a little remarkable. We kind of jumped into this before the, the world caught on, but at the same time, that can drag on the soul of a creative. And so it might be about time to shake things up for us as well to kind of loosen some things up and, and find a little play in the joints for something that might be a, a lot of fun. You're taking yeah. away my binkies and boppies. I'm mad at you. Wah. We're not taking <laughs> them away. We're changing them. Wah. <laughs> No, but seriously, no, that's I, I podcast with two creatives here. I just fake it. <laughs> we'll reveal a lot more about this as we go on, especially next episode. Yeah. As that will be the end of season five as we are revamping for season six. But until we get to that and leave you waiting with bated breath, tantalized with, with what we may try to do. There's also a chance that if you are fortunate, if you are one of those fabled GMs, that you are able to find time and space to sit on the player's side of the GM screen. Conventions are really, really good places where you get a chance to do it. It's true. Or having a a table that has more than one GM. That that sometimes can work, too. Yeah, but Um, it's it's, it's not quite as... That's more of a unicorn thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, But in the event you do get to sit on the play side in, in the event that it's a, if it's a convention, if it happens to be the local group that, that gives you a break, if you find a new group and you don't tell them you're a GM, we thought we'd put together some examples or suggestions of how you can be a good citizen at the game table for the GM and other players. Yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, like, when you're sitting behind the game screen all the time, sometimes you kind of forget. You, you remember the GM rules of etiquette and how to keep everything, but you kind of forget, you know. It, what it, what it's, it's like, like to be a player. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, and the thing is, like, and you haven't done it in so long, you're kind of like, ah, give it all of me in my face right now. No. Yeah. And... So this is this is kind of a, you know, it's like don't it's like don't be the douchebag, you know. So. Well, it's it's the 
And this doesn't just apply to GMs. This also can apply very, very much so to uh, players because all people, you know, uh, sitting at the game table is a social contract with everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you are kind of doing things that make other people not have fun, then you're kind of breaking that social contract. So you kind of need to not do that. So we are going to hit a couple of things, maybe have an anecdote or two about it. And I guess that that's kind of all the intro we're going to do. Let's go ahead and just. It's yeah. Basically the thing is like, here's a, here's a couple of things you want to remember. It's like, it's, you know, the kind of whole do unto others is like kind of be what you want to be the player that you would like to G, kind of player that you would like to GM for. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, so, so what, what's your first kind of, you know, hint? <laughs> okay. So a big one for me is we have all run for this, this type of player. If you, if you've run a, a fantasy game where, where spells are involved and, and you have that, that one character that never quite seems to remember what they can do as far as spells. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they sit there and they decide rather than as soon as they finished their previous turn, they start figuring out what they want to do next. They wait until it's their turn to tell them what they're, you know, tell you what they're doing. And, you know, then they sit there and spend. 20 minutes going through and reading all of their spells and what they can do. Now that's just one example because, you know, in, in certain, you know, three dot X games, feats could get just as wonky and mechanically crazy. Oh yeah. So, but any game really can have these, these rules that are, not necessarily used all the time or they're kind it's, of fringe things. It's the rules that are specific to a, a particular build or type of character. Every game has those kind of curly cues, special things, things that set one character apart from another. Mm-hmm. Know how they work for your character. Hell, and oh, the yes. thing is like, and sometimes I, I will be honest, it's like Earthdawn, and I love it. Earthdawn has is, is, is become one of my new cracks. Uh, when I started playing it, I knew nothing about it, but it took, and, and I'll be honest, sometimes I still kind of, you know, mix certain things up. But the, the thing is, though, I had crutches on what I could do. I have a notebook that has a basic description of what the hell this does. And even if it's just, you know, it's just like... You know, it's like, hey, I get to, you know, I get to knock down people or basics. And I wrote what page and what book it's under. If You know, just to kind of remind myself, because one, we couldn't always play all that often. And secondly, it's like when you get something new, you know, hey, you put a star. It synergizes with the other thing that you have a star. You know, anything that you can do. If you've got sticky notes in your book that just so you could find it real quick or whatever it is. It's like we're not expecting you to you know, no by rote date page, you know, at, at the exact syntax, no, except for no, Gautamage. I expect you to do that because you do do that. And it's awesome. 
But the thing is, like, if you have, you know, sometimes it could be complex and you just want to make sure that you're also using it right. Or if, you know, you're doing this and it's doing it's like, well, and you can say, hey, on page X, Y, Z, you know, it says this is like, I thought it would do this is like, am I misinterpreting it? Cool. You know, it's like, then right. you can get that fixed. But the thing is, like, if you know exactly where it is, can quote it exactly and not being like the rules master bully browbeat because don't be the douchebag. But the thing is, like, look, we know some of the things can be a little complex, especially if you have a whole bunch of spell. And I'll be honest, I'm like, one of my biggest fucking things is in fifth ed, there's a thing called ghost, uh, the chill touch, and it's not having to deal with cold, cold and it pisses me the hell off. I'm like, who the hell named it? <laughs> but you get, but the thing is, like, you get my point. It, it, it's the right. There's you know, always watch yourself. Yeah, and- there's always something funky in every. Every game system. They all have it. And mm-hmm. odds are, as GMs, we have stared into the abyss of that game's design and come up with some funky ideas we really want to play with. The problem is the funky ideas are a little funky. Yeah. Take the responsibility that you must carry the funk. The baseline is yours, not someone else's, when you play on that side of the table, just as if you were GMing for that as an NPC. Right. Mm-hmm. And here right. is the thing. It's and I'll be I'll be honest. Here's something cool though. It's like certain games have, and I know they had this with Shadowruns. They had like gear cards. They had spell cards. They had cool shit. So that way, also, you know, because how many books? A zillion, two zillion. Yeah. You can pull them out and just, you know, if they want. Like, also, you have it. You've read it. You know how it works. You can boop show the GM, and they're like boop. It's like here, read this. It's it's abbreviated. It. It's on these wonderful little, you know. And it's yeah. it's wonderful. You know, I loved those. Those were great. And it's also showing other people because they might have something that can ricochet off of yours. So you're being kind of like a, a fully cooperative player, knowing your mechanics. And you could say, oh, you know what? If you do this, it might screw up my thingy, you know, it, so that way it, it's more of the more you know it, the better kind of a collaborator you could also be as a player. Yeah, because like, OK, so I, I know that I've had games where like whenever I play a spellcaster because I know that there are, you know, a bajillion spells, especially when you're playing like, you know, Pathfinder or D&D. I mean, wizards have all the spells. Yep. <laughs> especially my wizards always have all the spells. And so I always make it a habit of having like these are the five spells that I use a lot. Mm-hmm. So I have like, and, and each wizard may be slightly different where I don't always have like, you know, all of them have fireball. No, because I've had others, you know, I've had some where it's just like they've never had a single attack spell. Mm-hmm. But they did other things. And there are some things like where it gets really wonky with that where you have to really do know what you want to do but have those like five that you know that you use all the time either print them out get spell cards or actually memorize it Mm -hmm. because you will be called on how does this work and if you can just i cast this it does this this is what you save against this is the type of save it is those are all the important questions that a GM is going to ask. If you can just give them to them without having to look it up, 
Or if you do have to look it up, look it up when it's not your turn. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, you know... It, <laughs> have it, your finger I'll, in the book with where it's exactly. at so you can just open it up. <laughs> you know, this is why I have like the, you know, those little flaggy things you can, you know, yep. the sticky notes that you can, or like little sticky notes you can write, you know, uh, fireball. I used, to just use, I used to just use sheets of paper, yeah. like just strips of paper that I had torn and, and stuck in a book. Yeah, me, I like using oh. the, the, the sticky notes because, well, I, I know me. Yeah. And I, it, my thing is that even with the paper, I'm going to tear it. It's going to fall out. If I use a sticky note, it isn't. So, yeah, you know, the thing is, like, be considerate. Know, know the rules to the best you can. And heck, even if it, even if you're planning on doing something and you're like, wait, wait, oh, you can at least look it up and you could say, I want to do this. Would it be applicable? You know, you know sometimes rough right. terrain might screw it up. Is this rough? You know, so you could at least ask your yeah. questions and not take a thousand times. Right. I have but have like short... one or two. Yeah, I, yes. I have two short things to add on this one. Okay. Not just magic characters. This oh, applies yeah. to martial characters too. For the Shadowrun games I've been in where I'm playing a street Sam, like my namesake, I have a dynamically updating spreadsheet for a character sheet where I literally have put all the different kind of maneuvers, the blocks, the parries, all those little fiddly bits that, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to or don't need to because they have things like magic. <laughs> and I've got it all right there in front of me that I can literally toggle on and off certain things that change the value of what I need to roll and what I'm about to say, and that I can tell the GM what I'm rolling against. Yeah. This applies mm -hmm. to martial characters too. Oh, oh it yeah. does. But the other side, second point, chaining off of something Jules said, it's also a chance for your crafty player and immersive players to have some fun. In, in a homebrew game I'm getting to run, a player made their own spell deck. Like, got the PDF, printed off the descriptions, mounted the spells on, on cardboard backing pay on, on cardboard backing paper and construction paper and color coded them by level. Oh nice. Brilliant. You yeah, know what? I've done that sort of thing. It's fun. And that's the sort of thing you as a GM can also give rewards to players for. Like yeah. in D five. Oh, that is awesome. You are starting with the inspiration this session. Yeah. Yeah. In See. Earth Dawn. Hey, that's worth extra legend. Hey. Or, yeah. you know, and the thing is that also by doing that, it sounds kind of silly, but by doing like the, the crafty bits, you're reading that stuff and it's kind of like internalizing it a little bit more. So, yep. And, uh, well, top also to be a, a decent is like when you are, here's the thing. We are GMs. We will come up with stories. We will come up with things that we want our players to do. The biggest thing that I hate is when. You know, you have something and they just look, everybody looks the other way and you're like, oh, crap. So when a GM kind of drops a little bit of a plot point or a hook or something like that, you know, see if you can kind of grab it a little bit or, you know. It, or a lot. Or a know, lot. It's okay well, to grab it a lot. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, there, there's a little bit, i.e., it's just like, let, let me just put it this way. I freaking hate political campaigns and I despise them. So what I'm going to do is like, I'll pull a little bit. So that's just like, okay, we could do a little bit of the political crap, but I freaking hate this. But you know, something like that. But the thing is like, if they drop something like that, you know, run with it, pull on it a little bit, you know, don't just work on unloading the cart for five hours. Cause no one bloody likes doing that. They've come up with a couple of things 
they can improv, GMs can improv, but if you completely thrash their story, dude, we hate that. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, and if you really want to get deeper into this, go back to episode 33. Yes, and yes, but and no. This is an extension of the improv theory on the player side. The mm-hmm. GM just gave you an offer, as it is called. Yeah. You take it. You take the offer. You yes, and yet or yes, but that offer. And that keeps the story going. A, as the GM, you know that means they probably have something vaguely prepared in that area, so they mm-hmm. won't be panicking and will get to actually do something that they kind of prepped for. B, it means there's a good chance other characters are going to be annoyed at your character for great in-player role-playing. You've got the chance of, why did you, really? Really? Yeah. You gave your sense of direction to the Fae? Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, also, by pulling it on a yes and, but a yes but, like, if you're somebody like me who freaking hates political crap, they still might be able to use some of that. But, you know, they kind of realize is like, ooh, you know what? Nobody likes dealing with political intrigue except that one player, and they're just going to run with it and destroy hi. it. So hi. I hate political. Yes, I hate hi. It. No, but the thing is, like, <laughs> when I'm playing with you, I understand I'm doing political. But for me, it's just like, what's my – it's like assassination. Yes, yes, the best part of diplomacy because no one talks back. But that's me. So the thing is, it's like, yes, but it, it, if I'm playing that kind of a character, they're going to kind of know that – it's like, no, you're not going to have me do all the courtly crap. You're going to have me hide things go south. They stab somebody in the head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, look, I have I to be nice. I have to be I nice and all. Po- I have to be nice and political, you know, all outside of playing at a game. And it's just like, no, that person annoys me. You get, aha, I'm going to give you a personal tracheotomy. Nah. But the thing is, like, I, I already know that they put something into there. So, you know what? I'm not going to engage with it directly. But, you know what? I can listen. I can spy. I can get involved with that. But just don't, you know, they'll be able to mod it a little bit so I could do it on spying versus I have to talk to somebody. Because usually at that point in time, I'm like, you're an idiot. Because I can't say that in real life to real people. I get yelled at. Well, <laughs> a lot of what this boils down to is... Don't be the player that actively tries to tank the GM's game. If you are a player who likes to run the whole, let's go see what's over the hill on the horizon, don't bring that attitude and kind of a character to a game that you are told in Session Zero is about urban political intrigue. If you are feeling murder hobo-y and just kind of want to crack your knuckles and, and, and go off on any encounter you get maybe let people know that before they set off for an exploration campaign yeah exactly take the offer from the gm not just in session zero but in each session to kind of follow the plot threads there are dangling threads pull it all over yeah pull it and the thing is ask questions Ask questions. Ask is just like, hey, you know what? If we're going to be doing this, are we going? Are we going to be spying? Hey, is this inf- or if we're doing a shadow? It's like, hey, is this information going to be valuable to other people? Oh yeah, yeah, we'll give you the information. No one said we weren't going to copy it, but what it right. does is like they still get to run kind of that thing. But they're 
by chatting and kind of engaging with it, you've, one, created other sweaters that need to be unraveled, and everybody's going to stand naked at the end of this, which is hilarious. Or you might find, like, another tug that might give your GM a way to keep going on with something else that they didn't even, like like I said, as we always say, it's communication, 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 and you actively engaging with their plot points might give them other cool ideas and that you would never have been able to play in if you hadn't asked and engaged with the the threads that they've given you. Because it's like, okay, you know, oh my gosh, this yarn glows in the dark. Let's make something else with this based on that. that, that, that. And it's fun and it's awesome and it's cool. But if you don't, yeah, it's a moth-eaten sweater. Oh, and GMs are bad about this because when we finally get to play, we try to play the game we want to play, not necessarily the game we're being presented. You know, half the time that's yeah. why we ended up GMing in the first place is uh-huh. no one's running the kind of game I want to play, so I must run it. But this is the mm-hmm. time to be unselfish. Right, to back away from... I mean, you if you're running... If you normally run a game, you normally get to do what you want to do. So let someone Somewhat else at least. have that chance. Yeah, and kind right. of spinning but off of that. Let somebody else too. have that chance because if they don't, then you never, you know. Yeah, you won't be asked to play again. Yeah, and, and kind of, <laughs> and kind of also like a spin off of that too. Is your now, thing is like instead of being you know the the storyteller of a grand epic now, you're you're a a a player. You're, but the thing is like this isn't a. You know, this isn't a single-player RPG. This is everyone else has to play, too. So what it's like, if somebody else... I mean, we understand. All of us have been wanting to play also, if we've been pretty much GMing for life. But other players need to play, too. They all put in time and session. They all came up with characters and concepts. You got to give them a chance to, to shine a bit, too. Cheer them on. Come up with some really crazy-ass ideas. Encourage it. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a benefit to what we talked about earlier, which is having stared deeply into the abyss of the game system and finding the fun little twiddly bits on the edges. That means GMs are really good at making support characters and making other characters be really cool because you know what all the force multipliers are. You tend oh, yeah. to know how you can punch outside of your weight class in the game, and you could possibly have fun sitting back and uh, making sure everybody else looks like it's their responsibility to get the get the win and accomplish everything and then they look around and go oh heck if you hadn't been there we wouldn't have gotten half as far or the yeah. other thing is also is and this is also the fun thing is like you as a gm kind of know some of like you know the tricks you know some of the, the the stuff that the gms do you can do that as a player and pretty much set it up so it's just the hey you, you know it's just like you're standing there and you're, you know, you, you know, you have a rogue and he's or in the sniper or whatever the heck is. And you look at the main, main bad guy and point because, dude, look, there's two chicks fucking a polar bear. He goes, what? Boom. You set up the sniper shot. <laughs> One, everyone else loves you because you, you took a little bit of a spotlight, but you let someone else get the big play, even though you had a little fun bit in there. So it, it's not like you aren't playing or contributing. You get to set other people up for some really spectacular situations 
And if they whiff the shot, you're and you could just go, oh crap, somebody's shooting at me. And you know, book like crazy. And just like so they don't look for where the snipers, they think you were the target, you know, crap like that. It it allows you to kind of like build up other players and kind of cover for when the dice fails. Yeah. You know, and that's the fun yeah, part too. There's there is I I'm whenever we get around to playing, um, I'm I'm playing in a in a fake game. And yeah. The, the guy who's running it is a, a friend of mine, and he's, he's new to GMing, and he's new to fate. And so I'm, I'm constantly going, okay, what is this? What is that? What is this? And when we played the first session, it was really funny because I was just like, kind of just hanging out. I wasn't super engaged because they were in the middle of doing other things. But as soon as it became not something that they were already involved in that I could actually participate in, then I started doing things so that everybody else was looking like they were doing crazy cool things. And my character is super understated, but he's the only one with an actual superpower in a superhero case. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is just like, one of them is like, I shoot things, but he uses like cold ammo. And, you know, it's like, okay, that's cool, whatever, you know. But then like, you know, I, I've done things where I've, because my character manipulates sound, so I can like make it so that you never hear the shots. Or when we were interrogating somebody, because they're kind of like cops, like superhero cops, and uh, when <laughs> when the big bad guy was starting to monologue, I just made it so no one could hear the monologue. Like I literally just made it so that. He sounded, he could hear himself, but aside from that, no one else could hear him. Ooh. (laughs) It's dirty. I love it. Right. But by doing that, it also made it so he couldn't hear anything else. And then all the other people in our party were able to do things that put them into a position where they could then, in, in almost a single round, we captured the big bad guy. Which is awesome. Right. But the thing because is, they got, they got to feel like we are the coolest people in the whole wide world. And well, they you did something incredibly that, cool. They were the ones that actually did it. I stayed back because my character cannot fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the thing is, like that's, that, that's what we say when we're, like, when we're giving players, when you're, you're letting someone else do it, it's not the, you are not, playing or participating is you are you you know you are the person that is setting up for the perfect goal you know they wouldn't be able to kick they wouldn't be able to to do a kick on goal if you weren't there to set it up for them so that's kind of you know what you want to do is like sometimes yes you're going to be too super duper awesome spotlighty but the thing is like at other times you could still be super duper awesome set up so you know you're the one that's holding the spotlight on the other guy yeah. And you have no idea how good that feels. So, yeah. so that's, you know, I guess. 
<laughs> I, th- I think Gardner Malcher's got one more thing. Mm. I think. I mean, it just kind of sums it up. You know, be generous, be friendly, be good. The when you get to play, play so you have fun and the table has fun. And usually that means, you know, helping the GM low key from the other side of the screen by mechanically mm-hmm. knowing your character, engaging with the plot elements that the GM's presenting to you, and ensuring the other players get spotlight time. If you head off in a direction over that hill, great, but make sure that the other characters are the ones who stub their toes first. Yeah. Exactly. It's like you're you're there to kind of like I said, it's like if you sometimes you are there, your spotlight moment is to fix when someone rolls a one. Yeah. Because that always bloody happens. Yeah, it does. It's a character in the game, let's say in that homebrew game that's pretty much built and designed around achieving that. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Oh yeah, I'm I'm working on building out the whole homebrew setting document. It shouldn't be more than 70 or 80 pages by the time I'm done. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you got to tell us how that goes, man. You got to tell us. I'm adding in a lot of like information that that is recurring from other stuff, but you know, it's it's the biggest game on the block. It is the D&D 5 game, but it's also a game that has two completely brand new players. Who've never played before? We've That's got, cool. I, I think it's really cool, and it's a chance for me to get to you know actually put together a world. And yeah. if you know D anD D, and you've listened to us on this podcast, you know that I'm a fan of many D anD D worlds that aren't used as much. There are four different D anD D settings that are not the standard settings that have some level of appearance in this setting, and uh, one additional TSR game that has an appearance has some reference or easter eggs in the setting nice if you think you know what those are find us on social media and if you're the first one to identify all five you only can you only guess five you can't just sit there and list everything tsr has ever made (laughs) put whoever gets the most in their first five setting or system guesses for what i've included in the setting doc wins brownie points and possibly a prize or something special in the upcoming season six Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because no one has guessed which book from last time I actually have, you know, signed yet. No. <laughs> I did. Nope. I guessed, but you know, I know, so no, neener neener. Yeah, it's true. Nobody has. But so before we, well, I think we're going to go ahead and close here. Um, and then we are going to. After a short little break for our promo, well, not promo, our ad, um, we will then be going ahead and rolling into our step blocks. This episode has been sponsored by Tabletop.land. Not sure if you want to get into making all your own full terrain sets or scatter pieces? Hmm. Not sure you want to get into that 3D printing thing that everybody's doing for your own stuff, or maybe minis for that matter even. Well, there is a new web shop that is up and coming called Tabletop.land. Go check it out and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Or, given the time of year it is, maybe you could even pick up something for that GM of yours for Christmas. 
system neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Okay. So, for those of you who do follow us on social media, um, you know that a couple of weeks ago I've had um, an issue of something that has come up in my family. So I am still kind of, um, let's say, under the weather for it. <laughs> so... I, I don't have anything tonight. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> fuck the stat block. It's a real block right now. And dude, we completely well, get it. We understand, man. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Who to pick? Who to pick? You know what? I'm going to roll a die. Because I have one right here. Uh, that tracks. Figures. <laughs> Go to Moget. Cloaked in an ever-dense fog amidst the Blotakian fan, a particular ruin lies waiting while it sinks slowly beneath the encroaching miasma. No, that, that can't be right. The deserted ruins you were looking for in the Confarga Desert only being revealed from the ever-shifting sands once a generation. No, but that's... that. The clues from the history book point to, to a Lushathani mountain pass permanently covered in snow and ice, blocking the way to the sheer cliff face, holding the thousand and one steps to the shattered labyrinth. It's confounding to have so many clues that all lead to different locations. Where do you start? You need the lost and hidden knowledge of a time long gone, and the ruins are the only lead you've been able to identify. Now you have to race to one of the three ahead of whoever else is on this fool's errand. (sighs) Days of travel. Searing winds, or quicksand. Frozen lakes, or sand dunes, and avalanches, or grasping vines, leave you weary and depleted, but you arrive at the entry of the Shattered Labyrinth. Traps, hostile inhabitants, crazed foliage, and more have all tried to stop you, but that is behind you now. Oh, literally. You need to get inside. The danger seems to be past as the vaulted doors close behind you to the surprisingly well-kept and tidy Shattered Labyrinth. Huh. It isn't too long before you make your way deeper into the depths, your torches flickering ominously as you follow the twists and turns of this ossuary to a dead empire. One by one, you pass by doorways and glance through these slightly slightly ajar doors. You see a swamp, desert sands, a frozen cliff face, and more. You see exits, or maybe entrances, from all of these storied locations. The seven archways in this hall, each with a glyph over the headstone, lead to different places. The shock is barely faded when when you hear a voice in your mind as clear as day. Dear, did you invite anyone over for dinner? Because we have visitors. No, I most certainly did not. You will not lay the blame for this on me. Be a dear and start the kettle. Looking up, you realize there is a sphinx eyeing you with a a mixture of curiosity, indifference, annoyance, and hospitality. You see what may be wings shimmering from her shoulders like they're flitting into and out of existence and a a dull glow in her eyes. As her mate appears from the shadows next to her, levitating a cup of hot tea to your hands, you realize they're expecting an introduction from you. 
Damn. Cool. <laughs> nice. Oh, God, I got to follow that. What the hell? <laughs> ah, that was good. That was ruddy brilliant. Just not just good. That was ruddy brilliant. Nice. Thank you. But Jules, I have no doubt that you have something that is equally as inspiring. <laughs> all right, all right. If everything's a blessing, then either nothing's a blessing or the gods are incredibly fucked up. Zippy toe tag. If you actually think about it, the concept that everything is a miracle can be incredibly hilarious and or abjectly terrifying. To go by an old standby, take the platypus. Dionysus is like, yeah, sorry, man, there was a rager the other night, and while I'll not explicitly state its nature, there was a wager involved. But everyone thinks of that one. Now let's consider Beethoven. If you think about it, he was blessed by Apollo, the god of music, and Hippocrates, the god of silence. What a horrific and tortured existence. Created brilliant, timeless compositions that he would never hear. Heck, you could even be an innocent bystander in the granting of someone else's miracle. Sure, sure. Thor might smite some guy's enemy with lightning, but you were standing next to said enemy at the crosswalk, and, well, Thor's not too concerned about splash damage. Lightning arcs, and now you're in the hospital, and all your electronics are fried. Well, at least you can point the blame rather than deal with the concept of a cold, unfeeling universe. I'm not even going to even start on how the muses fit into all this either. Oy. But there remains one last thing that folks don't consider. The miracles and blessings of long-lost gods. Forgotten gods whose worshippers have been dead for hundreds, nay thousands of years. Adherents beseeching their deities to have the earth swallow their enemies. For the rains to fall upon the land and make it fertile. Or for food to be always plentiful. And if you think about it. You really think about it. I could explain sinkholes, dams breaking and flooding the lowlands, and incredibly large swarms of locusts. Oh, they're edible and high in protein. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Fun. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Oh, blame Zippy for that one, because that's... <laughs> You know, it's like, if everything's a blessing, nothing's a blessing, or the gods are really fucked up. And I'm like, yeah. thank you! Yoink! <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, so, <laughs> we're, we're going we're gonna to keep this on a, on a tight run here for what's left. Okay, so, as we've said, we're going to be doing some changing up of things. So, we're not going to be reading the lexicon anymore. For the remainder of the season. But it will be in the doobly-doo that you can go take a look at, which you should. Click yes. through, read it. But in the meantime, that gets us ready for... Closing remarks? Yeah. Correct! And you win a Cupid doll. Zen, go first. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to put one out there. You won't be able to get it at this point because the... The crowdsourcing has, um, as of this recording, it has one day, 22 hours, 8 minutes, and 21, 20 seconds left. Um, and that is going to be 
the Improv for Gamers second edition. Now, that being said, when it becomes available through Evil Hat, you will be able to purchase the physical books, which I want to say they are projecting. Uh, what Let's is not the even projection. Get Something like but October. There, there are enough issues with the supply chains. They're projecting yeah. them sometime in the year of 2022, but don't hold them to it. Right. You never can at this point. But while that one is awesome, and just so everyone knows, once that Kickstarter is closed and we get a chance to actually get our hands on copies of it, either through PDF or whatever, and we can actually like read it and everything else, we will be having one of the authors on to do an interview. I have already talked to her. And she was super excited. She wanted to come on before the Kickstarter ended, but um, we wouldn't have had time to edit it and get it out. So, uh, sadly, we were not going to be able to do that one. But we will be getting to uh, chat with her once we get PDF copies of the, the finished book. And we've had a chance to read it. So... That all being said, I do want to give you guys another Kickstarter that is live right now and making scads and scads of money. And that is the Blade Runner RPG by Free League. As of this last, I I was actually just looking at it today because I was super excited about it. It has, uh, let's see here, because I'm super on top of things. Uh, 22 days to go as of the time of recording. It has exceeded its pledged, I'd say its goal significantly, funded in three minutes. Yeah. what they needed. And is closing in on a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's, pretty freaking awesome, ain't it? It's crazy. Oh yeah, it's okay. Since since we started recording, it has accrued um a hundred thousand dollars in just the time since we started recording. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Crazy, it's, but kind of cool. It is so cool. I I'm. I'm sadly not going to be able to to back it. But whenever it comes out, I will get a copy of it. Darn Skippy. I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm debating. I'm flipping <laughs> a coin in my head. <laughs> I would love to. I just, um, I can't at this particular moment. I, I have promised, um, I, I have a moratorium on spending because I have spent too much on, on other things. I, so. I understand. I understand. <laughs> oh, get it. Yeah. Y'all so until that gets taken care of, no more spending. But once I do, I will be buying it. And hopefully it comes out about the same time that my brand new local gaming store that is only five blocks from my house opens. Woo! Yeah. I am super excited. I, I'm almost like on my way home from work, I just like want to stop and just like smack my hands and my face on it and just like 
Let me in. <laughs> because, yeah. Well, after it opens, you're going to have to tell us what your first experience is in, in the new store and go, I will. <gasps> yeah. I will. They're actually really cool because they're offering people to rent board games and tabletop RPGs. Spiffy. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Uh, I can hardly wait. It's going to be pretty, pretty nifty. So slick. Go to Bojay, what you got? For creativity and world building purposes, I am going to recommend that you pick up a copy of OMAC, One Man Army Corps. It is a collection of one of the last works Jack Kirby made for DC Comics. It is set in this uniquely Kirby dystopian future. The Global Peace Agency recruits a young man to become their one-man Army Corps, or OMAC. It is disturbing, brilliant, utterly creative, and weird. Like, full-on weird. The original New Gods and the Eternals are like bread and butter plain as day compared to the future that what was seen in, in Kirby's mind for this. It is something that uh, should fuel your imagination for decades, especially since the original run was cut short as it is collected to its entirety, believe it or not, but it still reverberates in comics and pop culture to this day with Echo Shadows and its influence and shadow being quite, quite long. Nice. Awesome. Nice. Okay, Jules. What you got? Well, simple. Guys, take a nap. The thing is, we've all been... It's The past couple of years have been absolutely crazy between everything we've all had to do just to keep it together. You know, it's like right now... It, and it, the thing is, like, we've all felt kind of, like, anxious and heightened and stuff like that. And you're not in a good headspace to create. You're not in a good headspace to come up with something new. So right now, take care of yourself and allow yourself to like take a nap, say to heck with it, you know, and, you know, let your brain relax, let your body recoup because you're going to feel recharged. And hell, you might, you know, actually be able to dream a little bit, come up with a really wacky idea, you know, just, you know, dreams are completely, absolutely crazy and random. But sometimes you might at little like, click and you get inspired for something and you know that we have to take care of ourselves and the thing is like what's the biggest thing that we all sacrifice mostly sleep because there's always so much to do so much to read or even heck even our own entertainment is like you know what i'm gonna stay awake and just do one more chapter i'm gonna read this one more chapter and then it's like four hours later and you're like crap you know you don't want to do that to yourself so take care of yourself take a nap you need it and that is very good advice. So, until next time, roll some dice, play some games, and have a lot of fun. We'll see you back here at Seize the GM. Bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handle this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. 
And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.